Greetings, my name is William. I'm representing Peachtree Property Management, where we invest in fix and hold rental properties located in B, C, and D class communities. So today's podcast will be short, uh, but very informational like usual. I also want to say thank you to um, my donors this past week or past uh, two weeks. I've had individuals uh, donate to the podcast uh, on Spotify, Anchor.fm, and they gave to Stripe. And I think on Spotify, um, it has different options. So I think on Stripe, which is on Anchor.fm, you can donate uh, any amount. Um, And uh, on Spotify, I think you can donate, I think it's like $0.99, $4.99, and maybe $15 or $20, something like that. But... Also, uh, thank the donors that gave to um, the Money Sign WAG Realty LLC on Cash App, uh, and so you can donate there. You can donate on Venmo, which is at Peachtree Property Manage or at Peachtree Property. If you want to reach out to me, if you have a conversation, a question, uh, you can contact me on Instagram, which is at Peachtree Property Management, and that's at Peachtree Property Management. You can also reach me at uh, Wag Realty LLC on Facebook, and so it's just a um, you know if you don't know about this podcast, basically this podcast was set up to help motivate um, potential investors and um, former investors who want to get back into it. Just help us battle uh, gentrification. Uh, um, so you know you can battle gentrification to make money doing it. I always say you can't get rich off of one or two or three houses. It takes, um, you know, it takes some time. It takes um, some, I guess, uh, adding up of properties also. And like I said, it's just an uphill, uphill battle trying to invest and make sure the property is taken care of. Make sure you find the right tenant. You may not find the right tenant the first one, two, three times. You may have to go through some evictions. Some asking people to move out. The people may move out in the middle of the night. Not even tell you. It, I mean, it happens. Um, that's not just for low income or just for Section 8 people. Um, it, it happens. All right? um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you got to get people to have certain jobs or make a certain amount or have a cre- certain credit score. People are people. All right? And so today's podcast is I would like to um, talk about keeping rentals affordable and what's going on like in the Midwest and the West and like all across America, but mostly, you know, talk about Fresno, talk about places, well, Fresno, California, talk about places like um, in, uh, you know, in Arizona that I've, I've read about and, and watched um, on YouTube or TV. Uh, so about those places, well, they have a lot of mobile homes. Um, I saw statistics where I think they, they said one out of every 20 people in America are uh, basically living in mobile homes. So I, I look at it like, well, it's 360 million. It could be 380 million people. You do, you know, you do that 360 divided by uh, 20, and that's 18 million people. And uh, a few years ago, and I put it on my podcast also, and I randomly put it on there every now and then, that it's 14 million vacant homes in the United States. And so... If you take that 18 million and you could put 14 million of those people in um, into these vacant homes and they can fix it up. You know, I, mean, I know some people say, well, um, 
you know, the city's not going to do that. It shouldn't be the city's responsibility. Um, people can't afford that. Other people will argue. But I look at it like this. There's a lot of people that can't afford mobile homes, that whether they're old, um, I can't afford to fix homes also. But, you know, whether they're, they're older or whatever it may be, criminal background, uh, you know, their criminal record may be kind of, you know, shady or they jump from place to place. Because a lot of people pay anywhere. If you see these prices with mobile homes, uh, especially in the state of North Carolina where I live, they can go anywhere, you know, and be bad homes. Uh, and this was right before the pandemic, but uh, and, and right now also, they can be anywhere from, say, $8,000 to $35,000 and people ask for cash. But the thing is about mobile homes is you, for the ones that don't know, you don't own the land under the home. Uh, and so these people can pay, you know, eight thousand, thirty-five thousand dollars in cash to buy the home, spend a couple more thousand dollars to fix it up. A lot of people are like, "Well, that's that's ridiculous." I, you know, if they can do that, and then blah, blah. I mean, you got to realize that people are doing that, and you know, it's not all investors buying these single-family. I mean, these single-wides, uh, uh, duplexes uh, that are own uh, trailer parks. They are actually people that they live in them. They spend money to fix up the siding, they spend money to take care of these people, take care of the yards, they rake, they sweep uh, outside, they, uh, you know, not all mobile homes are bad, but they have over time got bad names, and so what's happening is a lot of people are being priced out, like what happened, like the, the landlords don't take care of the property, they don't enforce certain rules, um, some of these people, they build things and don't get it uh, permitted, and, you know, over time, because they pass these homes down from you know, the elderly to their kids and now maybe some of their grandkids. Some of these people have been in these mobile homes, uh, they were saying, for 28, 30, uh, 32, 38, 42 years. Uh, and so some of these uh, people that own it, it goes from families. Um, and, you know, the grandparents may own it, the kids may own it, and the grandkids. And they don't take care of them. They don't enforce rules. And so now a lot of them see land that might have been bought for 100000 now it's worth $90 million. And so there's universities buying land around places and forcing people out. Um, there are um, big corporations that are now telling people, you know, they got to get out and people can't move these mobile homes. Some of them are built in 1973, 1972, 1970s, and they're not safe to move. And some people can't afford uh, to spend another 10000 after they spent, say, fifteen to, to buy it, another fifteen or twenty to get it fixed up. Um, and, you know, some of these places, some of these states require you to pay your taxes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, so they, they don't own uh, the land, but they got to pay taxes on the mobile home, um, you know, the vehicle and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, it's just a lot to it. But there are a lot of homes that are, you know, it's 14 million homes that are sitting vacant. At one point, no, let me, um, it wasn't 14 million. I misspoke. I think 1.4 million. And some of these homes are going... Um, so it's 18 million people, 1.4 million is affordable homes. I'm not, I can't remember this. I, so I misspoke before I said 14 million vacant homes, but one point, I think it's 1.4 million vacant homes. Um, but either way, uh, there's a lot of vacant homes and then it's not even counting the ones, uh, that have empty lots. So, you know, there, there's plenty that can be done. Or the city can buy it and do um, or in, or Habitat for Humanity, um, maybe Goodwill, because um, there's a lot of older people living in these homes. So you do Habitat for Humanity, you got to have a certain credit score. And some of these people's credit is not 
you know, necessarily that, that bad. They just had a, a bad start to life. A lot of these people, they say they got started off, um, they moved out to Fresno or Arizona because of when they were 17 or 16 or 18 years old, they got in trouble by the law. And that, so they just stayed out there ever since. And so, you know, so you change, able to change some of these people's mindset uh, to let them know that, you know, they they can afford other places besides living in, uh, you know, that that trailer park or that uh, that park community um, that they can afford a home. They can probably afford to have one fixed. They just have it in their mind that, um, you know, everything's stacked up against them and, you know, times have changed. And so we as investors can go out here, we can buy the homes. And like I say, some of these people, some people are never going to actually own a home for themselves. Some people don't want that. Some people don't want the mobile home. Some people just want to rent. Some people don't want to buy a home and fix it up. You know, they may have the money. I run across this also. Um, so, you know, we sit here and we, we buy them and we're able to buy them at the right price. There's people that are millionaires and I've seen them on social media and they brag they bought their fourth house for up under $6,000. So if you're able to buy the house at the right price, you're able to buy the house at, say, $4,000, $5,000, fix it up, put $25,000 into it, whether you use credit cards, whether you use a line of credit, uh, whether you use cash. So now basically you have a house for $30,000. It's valued, even if you have to sell it, it's valued maybe at $80,000, $100,000, $120,000. Uh, and then you're able to get five, six, seven hundred dollars for rent. All right, and so you know, then you just after then maybe three, four, or five years, you're able to get your money back. Especially if you bought it for five, maybe um, you know you got a loan for the rest, and so you know you only have five thousand dollars into it. And so after let's say two years, a year and a half, you get your money back, depending on what the the interest rate is, of course, and everything like that. Um, so like I say, it takes us as a village, us as a community to go out here and buy these houses. Don't overprice yourself by putting the wrong, um, uh, when I say wrong, like high price material in there to where now you have to raise the rent to a thousand dollars. And this is what people don't realize when you have, when you have high rents, sometimes you have high turnovers because people are like, well, you will have a competition where if you, you know, the rent is. $1,200, you have some people that try to undercut you. You know, they may say, oh, I, I rent it out for uh, $1,100. Some people say $1,150. Some people say $1,000. Um, some people, you know, that offer uh, real nice things, uh, probably nicer than yours, and it may be $100 more a month. All right, so basically, you know, you give them some nice things in there, not too expensive, and you, you know, you give them Give them the rent for seven hundred dollars. No one's really gonna be competing with you, all right. Um, those people are gonna be like, well, even if you go up um, every year by twenty five, thirty five, forty five dollars, your rent's still gonna be cheaper than uh, the people that was charging twelve hundred because they're gonna go up their rent even if they stay there for the next five years. You can actually go up thirty dollars um, a year and still be cheaper than them. Uh, you can actually go up fifty dollars a year for a, a several years and be better off than them, all right. And so you know, then you would keep if you have a quality tenant, you end up keeping them. 
All right, so those are some of the strategies strategies I use, some of the mindsets I have as far as like, well, there's a lot of people that are going to be, you know, you think about 18 million people, um, you know, they talk about that one out of 20, 18 million people, eventually trailer parks are going to be ending. You know, these people spending $395 um, and water and everything was included. Now, um, rents have gone up because they're trying to force the people out in a nice way, I guess you could say, uh, and rents are going up to $795. And some of these places are going up to um, five ninety five to seven ninety five, and and water and trash and things are not included. So, you know, then the rents go up even higher, or basically the the fees. So even if you're charging six seven hundred dollars, those people that were living in trailer parks and that was still taking care of their yards are now going to have a, a bigger home, um, going to have a bigger yard when they come to you. So they're going to have a little bit more pride. And so they'd be willing to say for a single family home, pay that $700 a month, you know? Um, and then some people, you know, even, even if you have it for $800 and you pay um, the water, you pay the lights, um, or you say you pay the water, um, the, the trash is going to be in it. You pay for the, the, the lawn care, which is probably, even on the high end, it shouldn't be more than $60 uh, every two weeks. And it doesn't have to be moved uh, during the winter, but you still charge the same price. Depending on where you're located. I know in North Carolina, even though we are the South, it still gets pretty, uh, pretty cold down here. And, you know, it does have a dormant season for grass. Uh, no matter if you're in the mountains, Piedmont, Sand Hills, and uh, the coast. But, like I say, you know, this whole podcast it's just geared towards, you know, helping, you know, anyone, no matter what they, what gender, what race they are, no matter what religion, um, to help better gentrification, to help keep rentals affordable. And so if you want to take that endeavor and make a little bit of uh, money, I'm not going to be like these other investors and be like, well, invest in my company and, and own a uh, part of this real estate. I look at it like this. You're not really going to own it. Uh, because basically, if you can't manipulate it, you can't sell it, you can't, I mean, you really can't even touch it. They say, oh, you can drive by and look at it. You can drive by and look at anything. All right. Um, so I look at it like this. If you want to be a donor or an investor in the company, uh, you know, I can let you know what, what uh, you know, we can break it down to say you, you can invest in this property or this property or this property. Uh, but I can be more liquid than other uh, REITs. You know, if you know what REITs are, you know, uh, you got the stock market. They do REITs, but it's, it's liquid, but you can't really time it. You can put in $1,000, you can put in 500 you can put in $100, and then one day it just drops by 50%. Never know. it. Overnight, you can do that. You can go with um, Fundrise, invest with them, but they got to hold it for five years. Your money's going to be locked up. But you invested with me. Um, I hope, you know, I can I hold your money for 12 months, give you... Uh, so basically, a year give you um, eight to ten to twelve percent in return. Basically, you know you don't you you don't own it, but what you're doing is you're treating it like a um, you know like a CD. You're treating it like a bank, long-term money market. Um, but you're you're putting in, and because I buy at the right price, and the, you know my rent. So basically, you can look at them like guaranteed because no one's not really competing with me in my, in my area. Um, they may buy the houses at the same price, but they don't rent them out. 
they try to get rich off of, off of one or two properties. And so basically, if you give, let's give it an um, example. If you give me $500, I try to do a, you know, a minimum of, let's say, $50 in return. You say, well, $50, that's, you know, it's a safe bet. Uh, you know, you look at it like we do 50, you know, that's, that's a 10% return, you know, um, and you're getting a, you're doing a good thing for the community, for your fellow, um, you know, Americans, for your fellow human beings. You give, you know, so let's say, uh, you know, you give $1,000, 10%, you know, you make $100. So if you want to, you know, I'm, I'm taking um, any investments, uh, you know, any donations, you want to do no, donations of, you know, $10, $5, $3 to help towards the cause. That's great, too. So, you know, I'm looking for investors. Let's say uh, a minimum of $250 uh, donors. You can any amount, any amount be thankful. Um, getting, you know, they, they pay for gas. They pay for possible tool repairs. They pay for, um, you know, me keeping, helping. Sometimes I help the people when they first move in. I keep the lights on in, in my name. Uh, for for the first month or the water, whatever it may be. Like I say, I've worked with programs like Section Eight, the the um, the homeless shelter. That what happens? The homeless shelters, not all, but some, they try to teach people how to budget their money. They help them get find jobs, and then they help them, you know, uh, pretend like they have bills, and they uh, create a savings account form or a checking account, um, and they make a spreadsheet where they got to balance their money. And so then when they move out or they get out the homeless shelter and they find a home, they're able to maintain it. So those are some of the programs, you know, that what we do, what I work with. So not everybody at the homeless shelter stays homeless. Not everybody in Section 8 stays on Section 8. Uh, myself, I try to teach them how to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I try to teach them how to, um, you know, where to look, how to buy homes, what, what to say, and all these things. So like I said, if you want to, you know, donate, you can. If you want to invest, um, I'll be thankful also. All right, well, until next time, y'all take care. And remember, try to, you know, we're, we're in, in this together to try to better gentrification.